Bing Ding. Oh man. Hello everybody. How is everybody doing? This is uh Joshua Vijo and this is uh Bond Fidelity. Um if I'm counting right it's episode 7, but who knows? I could be very very off on that count. That could be a very very you know distant count you know it could be something that's totally not even you know a factor necessarily um you know who knows but yes i think it's seven i think that's the episode number that we're on so far um oh i forgot i forgot i forgot that i had the vlc set on repeat well screw it we'll just repeat it it's a good song it's one of my uh it's one of uh it's an unreleased song like lo-fi hip-hop ish i was gonna release these two songs that basically everything in the song was the same except for this basically the sample that i had modified to be the melody of that of the song which in this case is you know and so this was one version and then there was another version that had two samples that was like I think it was a guitar and something else. Basically the same exact beat, all the same exact sound effects. I might have changed uh, a couple things maybe, but mostly everything was the same, but the song sounded drastically different, even though basically only one significant element of it was changed, which was what sample am I using on the song? And so I was gonna release both of them as like an EP or maybe make more and release it as an EP as just like this experiment and like here are things that are basically the exact same song but they're actually significantly different. Okay, so let me turn it off. Let me turn it off repeat. Oh shit. Oh my god, it's all over. So that's one. Oh. <clears throat> I won't play I won't play the I won't play the other one tonight. Cause who knows? They might come out at some point. And I'm using them as theme songs now. So it is you know it is it is what it is. But anyways <clears throat> yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. We got allergies kicking up. It's windy, so you might hear like a crazy whatever. You know, you might hear a storm of the century out there. Um, but, and I think that might be why I'm, why I'm a little, uh, a little, you know, a little throat clogged up and whatnot right at the moment. But <clears throat> we'll try to get through it. I'll try not to cough into the mic a whole bunch of times, um, you know, and assault your ears. But hey, maybe that's what you're looking for. Um, from Bottom Fidelity, you know, podcast of all places. So, <laughs> but yeah, anyways, I hope everybody had a good week. I hope everybody has been doing good. Um, I know, G I know graphics card prices are coming down, so that seems fun. We'll see how much lower, see if they hit, you know, if they'll hit MSRP or lower, you know, who knows? This could be the big sell-off that everybody's been, or at least I've been waiting for. I know there's probably been some other people that are waiting over, you know, waiting for that. That's been fun. Um the speaking of you know i've had a, i had a good week I've recently just started a new job and because of this new job i'm probably going to have to change the day that the podcast comes out i'm going to shoot for now just because it's the time i have off probably shooting for like saturday sundays the podcast coming out so you know i haven't nailed on a specific day it's just going to be one of those two days. And that just kind of might be how it is, just depending on my weekend schedules and whatnot. Also, because I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff during the weekend, you know, just because I'm not going to have as much time during the week. So instead of this becoming, instead of this being a Thursday podcast, like it was before, 
it's going to be, you know, a, ch- a more chill uh, weekend podcast, you know, hopefully a cure for your hangover kind of situation, maybe depending on what happened Friday or Saturday, depending on what day I release it and all those other factors, you know, or whatever. Plus, you know, it's a good, it's good period on the week. You know, it allows me to not miss a Friday and some interesting stuff that have happened on those dates. Um, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff, <clears throat> you know, um, I'm typing real quick cause I forgot one story that I wanted to talk about <laughs> along with other stories, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Cause first what we're going to talk about, um, is a game that I'm super psyched for and a pair up that I have loved in a sense, like everything that they've done. I haven't played. The only I haven't played uh, Evil Within two, but Tango Soft, Tango Gameworks, and Bethesda, you know, G- Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, people are like, oh, you know, you know, the new game coming from Bethesda and Tango, uh, which is has been so far an amazing like combination, an amazing team. Like to you know, Evil Within was such a crazy game. Uh, forgiving all of its faults because it definitely did have a lot of faults when it came out. You know, it didn't run the best in certain parts. Uh, you could. It was kind of punishing in other parts and kind of not. It had, it had very odd, uh, you know, uh, difficulty curves throughout the game. Um, and but it, it and and I also felt like the the horror was kind of had a similar kind of very odd up and down through the whole entire game. But great ideas, really really cool like worlds and like the way that they built it and kind of like the surreal kind of like phasing in and out of places and stuff like that. Uh, so when I first started seeing stuff with Ghostwire Tokyo, I thought, oh, okay, so this would be an interesting uh, m- thing. Maybe they'll take some of that, uh, you know, kind of, you know, some of those cliches, some of those things that they did, some of those style kind of things that they did, you know, with the world transforming and like changing around you, manipulating around you, that kind of stuff. That was really cool about Evil Within, just because it was dealing with you kind of going crazy um, and kind of apply that to like a one completely different like setting but also like this game still i feel like kind of has that unsettling creepiness that uh you know the evil within had uh the first one and it seemed like the second one but again that one i think i've only watched people play that uh streaming i don't think i've ever actually played the second one um and i don't remember if i beat the first one or not uh i got like at least halfway if not more i played a decent amount of it um but i don't remember if i ever beat it um, and the first thing that struck me about this game is that how creepy it kind of was still, or at least like unsettling, like they didn't break from that kind of like, you really kind of don't have a full handle on what's going on, uh, that feeling, um, which I know, uh, you know, a lot of the people that are coming from, you know, that started Tango and where they had come from, that's kind of like some of the stuff that they were trying to do, you know, um, and kind of borrow from the horror genre of, of, you know, the past is kind of bring that unsettling with it. But that's the crazy thing about Ghostwire is like visually, because they are so much like trying to make it look like, okay, this is going to be Tokyo at night or, you know, Tokyo at night in the rain, you know, um, and kind of, but bright and neon so very colorful you know scary but not scary i know there's been series that have done it like one of my favorites is uh i think it's isn't it paranormal is that what it's called no 
<clears throat> it's like paranormal something. It used to be, it was an anime. God, I'm trying to remember what the hell it was called. Um, it had like the little, because it was like about, it was like paranormal something was the name. I don't remember what it was called, but it, because uh, I thought it was paranormal detective, but that's not right. Um, and everything that's bringing it up is not it. But it it was the one, um, I guess we just, wa uh, top 10, maybe do top 10 paranormal. Top 10 paranormal, top 10 paranormal anime uh because it was the one um with the little slugger uh ghost because they were like it was like it dealt with like the police like investigating like basically like hauntings but it wasn't like the police were investigating them it just it, i know it followed a police officer at a certain point in the show um and but it was them trying to figure out this like mystery behind um, the shit, it used to be on Adult Swim all the time. I forgot what it was called. Um, but that, that anime very much kind of, <clears throat> at least for me initially kind of showed me another side of Tokyo that could be scary, but with the neon, it's not like it's, it can be a very like done, like, like grungy kind of like dingy city in certain aspects but it also looks so futuristic i think even still even though it's not even though it is kind of a futurist like a futuristic vision from the past it still looks so futuristic and there's so much color that when i first started seeing this game it kind of uh, or when i first started seeing ghostwire tokyo i didn't it the scariness didn't quite get me until i started seeing um gameplay footage of it and then when I saw gameplay footage of it and how some of the creatures moved and then how some of the bosses, especially when you got close to them and their faces would get up in your face, you're like, okay, so some of these creatures are going to be like, you know, deceptively unsettling. Like, oh, this looks like just somebody walking until you get close and then they don't have a face or they have a face of one of these like ancient Egyptian like creature or ancient Egyptian, ancient like uh, Japanese like creature uh, and, you know, that kind of interesting dynamic and the fact that it is Tango who was doing, you know, more Western kind of um, horror, at least with their previous games, now kind of trying to tackle their own, you know, their own, you know, backyard in a sense and tackle, you know, Japan and, you know, some of their ancient like ghost stories and stuff in a game in an interesting way too because visually it looks crazy it kind of reminds me like all of your little like hand movement stuff a combination of kind of like Yu Yu Hakusho and Naruto um because I remember I used to watch Yu Yu Hakusho all the time and he did I th I'm pretty positive Yu Yu Hakusho was the one where he did like the ghost like handgun shooty power things because they would do like the little movements to make you know to do the spells uh and, you know, and I, it, that's kind of a cool concept in this game. The fact that you're not going to be like running and gunning, that it's mainly magical powers. Uh, and we'll see how the combos work. Cause there's that whole, it seems like there's that whole mechanic with like the core of the ghost. And you're like ripping that out with like your weird laser lasso or your like ghost lasso thing or your ghost wire or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it makes me wonder if. I don't know. I know everything is let's make a sequel out of this possibly forever and ever and ever. Um, but it is called Ghostwire colon Tokyo. So I wonder if they've thought about doing like Ghostwire Paris or whatever. If they're going to do like another city, if they're going to keep it in Japan primarily, primarily just because it's going to be its own Japanese. So maybe they'll do like Ghostwire, uh, Nagoya or something. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, uh, 
it's interesting to see it'll interesting it'll be more interesting to see them do more of an action adventure game though i still wonder if this game's not gonna be like massively like fucking with people like evil within i do wonder if it's gonna be less of a horror game but i still parts of it when i've seen people play through it and like even just some of the creatures you're like i don't know this is still this is still very unnerving and very kind of like weird looking uh and very interesting um and that's that's one game i'm definitely excited for on top of starfield which i know recently starfield's been having a lot of stuff i guess they showed like a little bit of um starfield um because i guess some of the uh, bethesda devs, devs have been talking about it oh and it's supposed to come out later this year which is interesting that'll be pretty cool um I'm I'm interested about that. I haven't looked at whatever the hell they released or what they've been talking about. And I'm interested to kind of, I'm interested in what you do. Because I think the problem that you run into is unless you're going to fully commit to it, you what you run into when you're dealing with like space games is you either do something like, like the only thing, the only game I feel like that is nailed space properly besides like some of the big like MMO games or games where you know there's just like a ton of people playing when you're talking about a single player game that nails it of course everybody's going to talk about mass effect but i don't think i think even mass effect suffers from this problem and really the only game that ever deals with the space of space properly in a way is uh the the uh um the outer wilds Outer Wilds really kind of deals with that whole you're taking off of a planet and you can go over to that planet and that planet has specific little stuff that's going on on that planet and everything's kind of on this time scale in space. Uh, whereas like I feel like a lot of other space games, they basically come down to like Ocarina of Time. They're basically Ocarina of Time, which is, but in, but the difference is instead of going to the different areas, like walking to the areas like you do in Ocarina of Time, you get in your ship and you fly to the area, which is another planet. And that's where I feel like a lot of the space games fall into the trap of basically not making it feel like all of these different planets and fleshing out any of the planets a lot, you end up feeling like you're kind of just going to levels on a menu because it's not like you're flying through space, through the galaxy to this other planet, you know, because the only other games that really do shit like that are like, um, you know, No Man's Sky and even No Man's Sky has to kind of cheat it by being like, okay, well, you're going to only fly around in the solar system area and then you can go to another area, but you have to kind of warp, you know, and so even then, but at least in that situation and them kind of procedurally generating that game, you kind of get a feeling of the immensity and that kind of gives you a lot. And that's ever since Bethesda announced Starfield, I've wondered if they're going to be able to go there with how big the game is now. You know, Skyrim was pretty big when it came out, I remember. It felt pretty big. Um, though I think it's not as big as Oblivion, um, the game before that one. Um, and then 76 is pretty effing massive. I think 70, I know Fallout 76 is probably one of their biggest video games in general map-wise and even content-wise. I think when I was looking it up, they have like the most vo 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 uh, the most voice lines in that game, the most like written notes and like written storyline out of any of the games they've ever made. And it shows because th that game is literally like, it feels like when you're walking across it, it feels like three Skyrims stitched together because you'll get up to the top of one mountain and then you'll look out and you'll be like, holy fuck, there's this whole other valley area massive distance i can walk and then there's another mountain over there and then you get to the top of that mountain and then there's yet another valley 
a massive distance that you can walk and another mountain that you can get to the top. That map is just kind of insane. And so that gives me hope that they could, that either they've figured out a smart way to do it or they're going to put enough content in Starfield to make it feel like space. Cause I think that's where, um, a couple of the recent space games. And I would say even things like mass effect, even things like Jedi, the fallen order, which I love. Um, I think they fall short because it, at the end of the day, it just feels like a level, another level. And it, 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 modern games have found better and more interesting, more intriguing story ways to kind of like couch that menu that takes you to different levels. But ultimately, it is a menu that takes you to different levels. And that's where I love games like, you know, like I mentioned, No Man's Sky and some of those games where it's like you literally take off, fly through the atmosphere, breach out of a planet, and you can fly at another planet through space, through asteroids and all of the ridiculous shit. And you're like, see, that's that's crazy. That's the kind of place I kind of want like space video games to go to. And I will see what Bethesda does. We'll see what they do. Um, Because again, after I remember when Fallout 4 originally came out, I was kind of disappointed in a lot of ways by that game. But years afterwards, replaying it, it's that game is kind of bonkers. Like that is the first open world game in my mind that is actually like effectively built a modern city that you can actually fully walk all the way through like the way that they mapped out boston in that game is pretty wild and the fact that there's no loading screens you can just walk through that whole entire goddamn thing but that's also why that game ran like shit especially when you were dead center in the middle of boston because there was just so much shit going on on that map because it was so dense with stuff um but it was probably one of the first like open world games or not maybe one of the first, but at least one of the recent ones to actually like fully map out in an actual realistic distance, a city. Cause a lot of times in video games, they kind of like hide cities or cities aren't really as big as they are, or, you know, the amount of people that you see in the city, there's nowhere for any of those people to live. They don't build out the houses that each of the characters walking around live in. You know, some games do, some games really take their time and kind of plan everything out. And that's also kind of, in my opinion, the beauty of games like say a harvest moon or a stardew Valley is that every single character has their place in the overall world. Uh, whereas like, you know, when you get into a lot of modern, you know, open world games, it's hard to do that. You can't build enough. You don't, the logistics of it are ridiculous kind of, uh, just like they are in real life, which is kind of why a lot of times cities kind of fall on their face a little bit. Um, when it comes to like trying to handle and like manage everything, but you know, we'll see, we'll see with Starfield. I'm, I'm optimistic, but again, you know, uh, ever since fallout four, Bethesda's kind of taken this more, uh, business kind of tact and showed, in some of the decisions that they made in their games and their games are still pretty decent, but I, I fear that they get caught up too much in the marketing cycle sometimes. And when you get caught up in the marketing cycle, like, are you making a video game, you know, anymore? And then you're not, and then when you, cause I recently, again, I've been playing TTW and playing fallout three and new Vegas and that whole entire thing. And you go back and play those games and those games had like a kind of, even though those games were also very rickety, they had kind of like an honestness to them that I wonder if Bethesda is kind of losing in some of their modern games just because they've gotten so big. And we'll see with the Microsoft uh, merger and everything or with not merger, but Microsoft buying them. Um, we'll see if that gets worse or better. Um, and then because, because again, kind of speaking of a game that's done similar, you know, gone down a similar horrible or at least a company that's gone down a horrible kind of like uh, 
I don't know what you'd call it, like PR trajectory is CD Projekt Red, you know, Cyberpunk 2077, which is a game, you know, I haven't talked about it on this podcast that much. I know they recently, they recently just released a patch, which I was going to check out and I haven't checked it out yet. I haven't heard a lot of, I've heard that it gameplay is better and it seems to play relatively good on the new consoles. Well, it's come out for the new consoles finally, right? I think that's what happened with this new update. And I've heard that they've kind of fixed a lot of the the stuff and kind of given a lot of the abilities back kind of their oomph because I've heard that a chunk of the abilities in the game didn't even really have any kind of like effect on your character's stats which was kind of insane in in like an RPG game the fact that they didn't kind of check that or kind of whatever yeah I don't know that's the thing with this game is whether you want to say that it's rushed or not because when you play the game especially when you play through the story mode or like just the story quests uh, and kind of do side quests, um, but primarily play through the story quests, primarily drive in your vehicle. Like don't explore too much except for in certain like spots, usually around where quests are happening. You kind of realize that the game is pretty dense, but I remember right when the game first came out, somebody said that that's kind of when you really start like looking around in the game, um, it's only really dense around those story moments. Like really kind of once you start getting away from those story moments, you kind of start realizing how empty the game was. And when I was playing it, I was like, no, I don't believe you. I don't agree. Look at this entire city. Look at all these cars flying around. Like it's gorgeous, especially when you're driving, especially on a motorcycle in the game through the freeways and you see all this stuff. And it really does kind of capture that visual like identity of like Blade Runner and Minority Report and all of those like great old school like you could say cyberpunk sci-fi like futuristic cities trying you know it definitely captured that vibe and it gives you that vibe and it gives you that feeling um when you're at least when you're driving around but I remember I was probably a little bit more than like halfway through the game maybe like three-fourths of the way through the game um And I don't remember what quest I was doing. I think I was driving around trying to buy clothes or something. I was trying to find something. And so I was driving around to some of the different vendors. um, And I stopped somewhere in the middle of the city. And I got out of the car. Or I think I was riding on a motorcycle at that point. So I got out of the motorcycle. um, And I decided, because I think at that point I'd also unlocked the double jump, like robot leg things that you can unlock in the game. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, fuck it. Let's go like, just run around and double jump up on all these buildings and like, see what's around in the world. Right. Cause I, I didn't realize, but I guess it to that point in the game, I had basically never gotten out of a car going from point A to point B with quests. I, you know, I'd gotten out of a car, but I'd never really like walked around the city or done anything. And so when I started walking around the city, I started to realize like how empty it was and like how like long you had to walk before you got even near something that you could interact with beyond like a, another character an, beyond. Cause yeah, sure. You can like shoot people that are just walking around you and then the police come, but beyond that interaction, like there's no shops, there's no dialogue that you could have with anybody. There were no like little hidden quests really. I mean, again, there are those things at certain areas. And like, of course I, I love the quest with the monk that you find randomly throughout the map. And the game had a lot of really good ideas like that throughout the game. But you, and then, you know, I guess when you, when you find out about the fact that they had like a whole tram system that they took out of the game and that they're also going to add like a, you know, flying vehicle thing into the game. Um, and you see all the flying vehicles around you're like, Oh, I can't, I don't ever really get in a flying vehicle. I don't even think 
is there a quest? I don't even remember. I don't even remember if there's, a, I think there might be one quest where you get, where you actually fly around in a flying vehicle, but that's the thing about it is then once you really start kind of looking around and realizing things about the game, you realize that the game really isn't actually like crazily fleshed out and it's definitely not fleshed out like other game. Like I would argue that like, you know, like Deus Ex, even though Deus Ex's scale is not near the scale of cyberpunk, uh, is way more fleshed out like as a world and like kind of what they're dealing with and like the seediness and stuff. Like I feel like cyberpunk like flirts with a lot of the lore that it has and talks about throughout the game. It flirts with these things and it does some really interesting stuff. Like one of my favorite scenes in the game was the scene where you're in that club uh, with all of the like whatever that like cyber club where you can like hook up with like the I guess cyber prostitutes. I don't know what else to call them. I don't remember what the fuck they were called in the game, but it was basically like a brothel. Um, and that whole scene where you can I think you can choose the dialogue, but I think there's one point where she she's talking to you and you have a really, 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 really. She has like this long monologue thing kind of that she's saying to you and the camera of your character since everything's in fourth person is just completely locked with her eyes and then both of you lay down on the bed and it's this really cool effect that they did in the game that i thought was like super powerful and like it completely catches you your attention and i think i don't remember because i think you can do it with different people depending on one who you choose the name that you choose because you can do it with a guy or a girl I think. And then you can also, I think there's other things that change it. I don't remember, but that scene was very striking just because she's all, you could also tell that the girl's like a cyborg. And so you, there's all these little things that you pick up from the visual, but the way that they kind of did that and the mocap that they got with her face, I remember that scene being like, wow, this game's actually kind of trying to do some very interesting artistic stuff. But then I feel like it kind of waffles it on the video game front, you know? And then it also, you know, it waffles it. You know, like I'm not, I'm not, I don't really like Keanu Reeves' character that much in the way. Like it's his, you know, uh, Silverhands is fine, but like he's a little too like Duke Nukem for me, kind of like ridiculous for ridiculous sake. You know, uh, I almost wish that they had kind of played with that, and maybe they do because I don't think I actually completely f like beat this game. I got pretty close to the end. Um, and so maybe they play with that like a little bit more right at the end, but then what does it matter? But uh, you know, there could have been a little bit more, uh, dynamics with his character, uh, in general. And then like, you know, a lot of the weird romance options and a lot of the stuff, you, you know, I felt like the game could have been fleshed out more. Plus it got like super easy. It, it does the thing that a lot of these open world games do where you kind of get to a point where you just like destroy everything. And then there's not really anywhere else to go or anything else to do. And I don't know if they didn't really take it into consideration because when I see I see a lot of videos of people you doing certain builds and running around and blowing a lot of enemies up and like it seems very kinetic and fun and maybe I just need to make a build like that but like I just went like pure hacking build and I basically just like sit like three blocks away and like snipe everybody and then once I like kill everybody with my hacking you know it's just like I do you know I do one like suicide where the guy pulls out his gun and kills himself. Then I infect everybody with a virus and then that kills like four or five people. And then I like either, you know, damage somebody's system completely or make them kill them, you know? And so you just like kind of like run through a whole group of like anywhere from five to 10 people, like really easily. And then you walk over there and you're like, okay, like I don't even use my gun anymore, which is, I guess, cool that you can do that in the game. You don't even have to use your gun. You can just hack everybody to death, but it kind of, made the game a little boring for me to play honestly because i was just kind of like oh, okay we're just hacking and the other hackers 
or other people in the game don't feel threatening. Like there's been a couple times, like I remember there was that one quest line, I think, where you figure out about, uh, I remember, was that the mayor? It was somebody important. Uh, you figure out about them like crazy stuff about them and that they're being controlled by this other hacker person. And then the hacker guy hacks into your character's vision and fucks with it and does all kinds of shit. And I was like, see, I want more of that happening either in the story or to me from other characters, because at least as far as I encountered any of the enemies trying to like hack into me or do anything, it never, you know, it's like, oh, okay, my character's like melting, but I'm not, you know, it wasn't like dis like disrupting my visual field or like fucking shit up or, you know, like they could have done more interesting stuff with it. And so, <clears throat> you know, I know a lot of people in the cyberpunk community that liked the game. We're kind of hoping that the update would probably get the game up to a state where it was supposed to be right where it can finally shine and everything and that even maybe at some point the dlc and everything they add to the game might get the game to a point like that uh kind of similar to the fallout 76 story but i just don't know if you're gonna be able to really do it with cyberpunk modding might save the game but i don't i don't really because it just feels like there's so much missing like when you walk around that world and you realize like how many of the buildings you can't go into like you it's like it's it has to be at least a good 85 percent of the buildings in the game you can't go you can't walk into them they're just a gigantic like square block that simulates the city but it's not it's nothing interactable you know it's nothing that you can walk walk into and that, i remember that stuff pissing me off with like new vegas when they had a whole bunch of the little houses and stuff because i understand you're trying to give the effect of there being a whole bunch of civilization here but then don't let me walk into it or scale it down a little bit or something because i feel like you should be able to explore everything if you're going to make an open world game like actually go for it that's why i think i've never actually been a big fan of the gta games because they don't really you know th there's a lot to do and there's a lot a lot of things that you can go and, and and interact with but at the same time you know like a majority of the buildings in those games you can't like actually go into you know majority of the houses and the neighborhoods it's all kind of like facades to simulate a city uh which is fine to a certain degree but i kind of get bored of it just because all i'm doing is driving from point a to point b like you could have just done a single player story where a cutscene carried me from point a to point b and then i just play levels instead of me having this open world that i interact with but basically to just go through a single player story so we're not even really dealing with the open world effectively whereas like that's where i feel like bethesda games really actually deal with the open world effectively and it seems like things like elden ring have done that too where they deal with an open world effectively and give in, you know, that's that's a part of the mechanic consideration as the open world. Whereas like even with Cyberpunk, I would agree that I don't even I don't know if they considered the open world as much. They considered the open world in so much as we're going to give you kind of a whole bunch of areas to go do stuff. But then they kind of fell into the Assassin's Creed trap and, you know, kind of like what a lot of modern open world games have become, which is basically just go to this icon, click check check the icon off like what is the icon most of the time it's like oh go to this icon and kill 10 guys and then checks icon off map and then no more icon on map and then another icon you go to that icon it reveals more icons on the map that are all places where you just go kill people in the game and so you know it's not as dynamic it's not creative it's not you know <clears throat> like i still think about like how crazy it was in skyrim and this is also why i don't know if they're going to be able to really top this with starfield or with the next elder scrolls game is the whole concept of a goddamn dragon flying around like you're just walking 
and then a dragon flies around above you and lands and starts a fight with you randomly all the time throughout the world because now the dragons are back. Uh, that's such a crazy, cool, like, open world interrupt that one has a complete couch in the story, but is also such a cool mechanic that just literally come like randomly comes into your game from time to time just like randomly dive bombs into it and i think that's why that game was so like intense and still even though a lot of that game is very repetitive it kind of kept it interesting because out of the blue a dragon could come down and fuck your shit up and you're like that's a very cool thing you know that you don't run into in a lot of games uh and so yeah i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens with cyberpunk we'll see what the dlc is going to be I don't know if I might, I might re back, re download it again just to play through it maybe one more time just to kind of re experience it, especially if the, the patch actually made it run better. Um, and also maybe when I get a better GPU. But you know, I don't know. It's, it was, yeah, that was disappointing. And it also makes me, cause I want, cause a lot of people talked about with Cyberpunk some of the failings of the Witcher games, even though the Witcher games were as good as they were. But a lot of people talk about how like kind of bare bones some of those cities in that game were. And I guess it makes more sense in those games because of kind of the world that they're set in and everything. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. So, you know, there's been a crazy, a crazy amount of stuff happening in the music realm. Um, one, you're basically just going to have to get all of your music yourself now. Well, you're not going to have to, but you're going to want to. Um, and this is kind of crazy. And I know a lot of people aren't going to do this. They're just going to be like, fuck you. I'm still just going to listen to it on YouTube or whatever. But, um, <clears throat> but basically, uh, like, you know, they're gonna, well, they're not gonna, but we're you're starting to see some of the cracks, you know, first we had, you know, a lot of the, the Joe Rogan drama, um, with, and that being like a little tiny exodus, but it showed that people were able to do it and pull themselves off of Spotify. And so now I think you're getting the, uh, situation that's happening where uh like for instance snoop or snoop dog just i think didn't he either just bought death row records i think or is the um yeah because snoop dog just bought it and so he pulled several of the old school snoop dog death row releases and even i think dr dre releases from streaming services like they're gone and people th initially thought that this was because he was probably going to do <clears throat> that he was probably going to do um what do you call it that he was going to re-release them remaster them do that whole entire thing i've heard rumors rumblings that he is doing this because he's going to do some kind of weird ass like nft thing with the albums uh he's going to do an nft label supposedly which just seems ridiculous and everybody leaning into this like a nft thing it seems like it's really going to bite back but now i don't think you can listen to those songs on 
um, streaming services. So this to me is starting to mark a sea change that you're going to start seeing with these streaming services. And I think you're going to start seeing it even more with how successful Kanye has been with the steam player and everything is you're going to start seeing artists kind of like shoot off and either not release new content on streaming services, or they're going to do it through other means, possibly an NFT thing, or they're going to, you know, people are just going to start taking their catalogs off of Spotify or you know for a while everybody was like no we're cool we're going to keep everything on spotify we're going to keep it all centralized we're going to keep everything on apple music you know keep it all centralized and you know you had players like amazon and a couple of these other groups kind of come in and try to um basically do a similar kind of service you know you had deezer and stuff like that uh kind of you know slowly edging their way into the market but uh you the problem that happens is and it's the same thing that happened with any kind of like paradigm shift away from a standard in industry and that's why a lot of times industries have standards even though there's a lot of examples of standards you know locking everybody into a specific you know kind of uh, methodology which ends up being detrimental to the industry but in this instance and in an entertainment industry a lot of times what it does is it kind of fragments content all over the place so that you can't actually go to one spot and get content. Um, and then that takes control away from you as a person that wants to, you know, enjoy the content, keep the content, see the content, deal with the content. And I just have a feeling that, you know, we're seeing Dr. You know, we're seeing Snoop Dogg do this with Dr. Dre stuff, uh, with his own stuff and the death row stuff. I, you know, and then it's not going to be the last kind of drama that you're probably going to hear from when it comes to any kind of podcast that Spotify hosts, or maybe something that happens with that company or Apple or who knows, right? And so if any of these companies are willing to kind of throw the catalog out or change the stuff, then you're not going to have access to this music. And we're going to go down the same road that people went down with Netflix, where you had Netflix and it was fine and it had tons of stuff on it. And then they weren't able to make the deals again with these companies because the companies either wanted bigger cut or they wanted to do their own service. And then you have the fragmentation and then you have Netflix trying to make its own content to keep to prop itself up because now it doesn't have any more content to give out and you know i didn't know if this was going to happen with the music industry but uh it seems like it's starting to so what it has prompted me to do is start actually collecting music again and like going through people's discographies and like either buying all their albums through like an itunes or an amazon um or wherever i can actually physically either physically buy it as a cd or buy it as a like download um, like an MP3 or, you know, usually try to find like waves or flax just in case, just so I can kind of like break it, you know, I can, uh, convert it down to any, any of the file types I want to after that point, I don't lose out or I, you know, I lose out whenever I want to on the quality. Uh, but, you know, kind of started trying to build my music collection back again. Cause I think in these last several years, I've been heavily on Spotify. I'm still probably going to use Spotify as like a kind of a search engine discovery engine for new music. But I think this is just now making me want to go back to like collecting CDs and collecting stuff like that, just to have physical copies so that I don't have to worry about like, Oh, this company got mad or this artist got mad or whatever the fuck happened, pulled all their shit off. And now I can't listen to X, Y, Z. And I started noticing this on Spotify actually a couple weeks or actually a couple months ago 
Um, cause I have a whole bunch, I have like a, a playlist. that's a whole bunch of like fallout style, like old school, big band, old school jazz, old school, like, you know, all kinds of stuff. Right. And I went through, cause a lot of people have either literally named fallout inspired playlists or, you know, just old big band playlists that people had. And I started going through a lot of those playlists and, you know, selecting all the songs on that playlist and copying it over to my main, you know, classics playlist. Uh, and then just playing that classic playlist. Sometimes when I played Fallout or whatever, because I didn't want to listen to the radio in the game or whatever. Um, and I started doing that. And I, what I started noticing as I just kind of watched the playlist play or like pulled up the queue just to see what songs were playing next and stuff, that there was like a chunk of songs in the list that were grayed out. Um, and it, and I, as I looked more and more and more, I noticed that there was actually a decent amount of songs grayed out. Uh, and so I was like, oh, I wonder what this is. And I think, you know, it's anywhere from like probably rights problems to, you know, who knows what that Spotify is dealing with, with half of these songs. And a lot of that stuff falls off the wayside or, you know, who knows that artist's family or the artist or whoever owns the music maybe wanted to do another reissue. But then the problem with the reissues, you know, like I think the 2009 reissues of the Beatles albums are famous for being really shitty versions of those albums that a lot of people don't like the mixes on. Um, and even the original stereo versions of those albums, a lot of people don't like just because they really put that shit into like, you know, drums are on your left, guitars on your right, basses on your left, instead of like kind of blending them in like they sound like they're coming out of the same space. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, so you get into that kind of scenario. So I think, you know, it's just going to be smart to kind of like back up your collection, you know, start like going through your playlists, keeping the playlists that you really want and start actually physically getting all those songs and building those playlists on some kind of offline thing where you don't have to worry about any of this content getting pulled because i'm telling you now if this isn't start if this isn't going to start happening with a lot of you know music who knows i mean i know the music industry has a vested interest even like actually a vested like monetary interest in spotify and its continual growth but i also we don't know what's going to happen and we don't know what kind of fractures or things behind the scenes that we're not privy to with all these companies and some of the stuff that's going to start kind of moving and shaking and happening and then you know you're not going to have access to the content because you didn't even really own the content to begin with you were buying a service which is the problem with all of these service-based things and why i think the nft thing is stupid and also why i think it's interesting that you know of all things limewire is trying to return as an nft marketplace um which i makes me wonder if they're going to bring back any of the old school limewire functionality when it comes to like illegally downloading music or illegally downloading stuff because i know that that was a thing that everybody used to do on that i think you know, uh, I think I might've done it. I don't, I used LimeWire a little bit, but I don't think that was my primary, like whatever you want to call it downloader. Um, but I know that that was the thing. And I guess they're coming back company wise as an NFT marketplace, but it makes me wonder because NFTs are so much like kind of like artwork, just like a speculative nonsense realm. And I wonder if a lot of this stuff isn't going to get more regulated in the near future and if it's going to get more regulated or if it's even going to be like an actual thing. Cause I mean, we kind of saw like NFTs blow up and then kind of sizzle and then are kind of building steam again, you know, cause you have those stupid NFT monkey, the yacht club, whatever the fuck it's called. Um, and they're, I know they're trying to, they're doing a TV show and they have like music like an artist playing, making music for him. And, you know, 
all that stuff. And it, you just wonder, and then, you know, what, you know, some of the news stories you hear about, about specific people releasing their NFTs, then their NFTs getting bought for a specific, like nonsensical price, right? That's like super expensive from, you know, getting bought. And then that's setting the value of that NFT, right? And then come to find out that the person that bought that bought. So say you had, I think this even happened with Melania Trump. I don't remember, but I think she, you know, she sold her whatever NFT that she was selling and then somebody bought it, come to find out that somebody was actually her buying it under another name or giving her money to somebody else to buy it to jack up the price, which is basically all of the stupid speculative market stuff that all of this stuff has kind of become in these recent years and makes me wonder if, you know, any, if any of this stuff is going to bear out. I mean, supposedly that's what web 3.0 is. It's not this whole like weird metaverse thing. We're going to go into the virtual reality, blah, blah, blah. They're basically just trying to set up the internet as is, but on a blockchain style technology infrastructure, which is fine because there are a lot of the blockchain. There's a lot of things about the blockchain technology that are interesting, you know, that allow for things that could benefit a lot of people, such as like, I heard a case for the blockchain technology being used to eliminate scalping so that you could link everybody's concert ticket to a part of the blockchain so that you got a specific code with a specific thing on your ticket and that was tied specifically to a wallet and you layer it under these multiple layers of obfuscation so that it makes it harder for people to transfer it. So you'd really have to buy that one ticket to go. It's not like you could buy a whole bunch and then give them away to people easily, which is an interesting function. And I think there's a lot of interesting things like that with the, with the blockchain ledger style technology, but you know, it's also seems like it's it's like a pyramid scheme MLM situation rife with you know, the ability for people to manipulate and you know, take advantage of people in that situation. And LimeWire getting into that well, and just using the name and the brand, because that's the other thing that's kind of funny is that not LimeWire to my, in my mind is like kind of just like the Pirate Bay or like any of the torrent like logos is kind of synonymous with piracy and like stealing content. And, and if NFTs have also kind of gotten in trouble in recent time period for literally stealing people's content and then thinking that they have rights to content because they minted an NFT or what, you know, whatever the fuck that means. Um, and so it's kind of funny that they're trying to jump into that realm of murky. Is this fraud? Is this not with a company like logo and, you know, a company like at least image that comes from something that is also kind of shady. It's just kind of a funny, ironic, relatable thing that I've kind of noticed. And it just makes me wonder what the heck's going to happen. Um, and speaking of uh, companies doing very odd things that don't super make sense. Well, I guess before we get into that, we'll talk about Ye and his shenanigans again. Um, because I'm like a, what was, what would that be? A Fairweather fan? A fan, a part, like I like the music, I guess now, but like, well, I've always liked the music, but the, the guy just kind of gets too much but in recent news with him at least he's been pulled from the grammys i guess he was going to have some kind of performance at the grammys and he's been pulled supposedly for his online behavior he's been disrupting the music industry landscape it seems like with one his donda player and that seems to be a part of his plan or at least 
kind of seems like it from social media posts that he's been making that he doesn't want to be judged or categorized or numbered or anything like that anymore, which is an interesting way to look at it. And I could kind of agree to certain in, in certain realm, but then, you know, the rest of his, the way that he's handling Pete situation and even the way that Pete is handling the situation and all this shit with Kim. But I mean, like, again, with me, with him and the whole Kim thing, it's like, this is kind of like, in my opinion, you getting together with Kim Kardashian and like the, her whole family and how that whole family has rolled and the way that they have done things and handled things. In my opinion, like you would have been dumb to not think that there wasn't going to be some kind of drama associated with getting together with this person, being with this person, leaving this person. It was always going to be shenanigans. It was always going to be crazy. And then his shenanigans piled on top of that shenanigans just kind of makes the situation ridiculous. And then you add somebody like Pete Davidson, who's like, who or like what like what are you talking about like some ridiculous it's just kind of like a ridiculous guy it just it's it's right for like very public is somebody gonna get their ass beat maybe or it's just gonna be all posturing because again a lot of this stuff comes around his fucking release of albums so you wonder if this isn't some kind of crazy ass posturing that he came up with um and in some you know, in some instances you feel for the guy, but then in other instances you're like, Jesus Christ, Connor, you're coming off like a crazy ex-husband stalker, like shenanigans, like what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like keep keep your shit together a little bit more. But I understand, you know, I, I don't know, I, I you know, one not never being there, but two not even being close to being in his specific shoes in the situation. It just seems crazy. But I mean, they're pulling, you know, they're pulling him from the Grammys supposedly related to a lot of his online behavior related to this but i almost even i almost wonder if they're claiming that they're pulling him from the grammys because of his online behavior because they're actually pissed off at him because of the billboard shit because of his stem player stuff because he is trying to step outside of the industry on such a kind of like big scale that all of the industry i.e the grammys a lot of the people in that you know milieu are like fuck this guy and so they're like no no no, he can't he can't be performing at this but it could also be because i mean you know it's not like kanye west has helped himself and he's kind of like put himself into a situation where he's become you know he's become a fucking you know brand risk you know in a sense so i don't know I can understand it on both sides, but it's just interesting. It's interesting to kind of see that, you know, breakdown, uh, especially just cause he kind of, you know, is still making hits. And I imagine he's still kind of doing crazy stuff and just the amount of, you know, amount of things that he kind of keeps, I don't know, getting away with. It's just going to be interesting to see what the hell happens and how this all kind of parses out and whatnot. But yeah, it also, what's going to be interesting to see how that parses out. What's going to be an interesting kind of development in, in the whole thing is Netflix is supposed, and I heard about this years ago, Netflix is going to start text testing an extra, like, I guess they're going to charge extra require subscribers to pay extra for sharing the service outside of their household. Now I know they were testing this in Australia years ago, but they weren't allowing people to pay for the extra. They were just cutting people off that weren't using it on the same Wi-Fi, basically. Um, and that was the trick that they were kind of doing. Um, and then I never heard anything about it after that. I heard like a couple little news stories, rumblings. I knew this was 
in the talks that Netflix has always kind of wanted to do something like this, kind of figure out a way to curtail and make sure everybody plays pays for their service. I think it's a very stupid time for them to do this as a company. One, seeing how devalued they got in recent time period, uh, but also them raising their prices recently is another aspect to this. And, you know, there's just like a couple, you know, there's just like several things like that that are just you're just like, is this the right time to kind of rip this bandaid off? Um, and so we'll see uh, what happens with this. I don't I, I've been meaning to look into more uh, detail what happened in Australia, because I think it was in Australia and a couple other countries where they were testing out like this. And I, I was always curious if they were just going to get a whole bunch of people leaving the service. And I know on Reddit, tons of people in the comments were like, OK try me. I will literally not pay for Netflix. Thank you. You're just giving me another reason to not pay for Netflix, which, you know, part of me kind of agrees. I don't really watch a lot of the Netflix shows. You know, the only show I watch is Ozark and that's about to be over. And it's thankfully about to be over and we'll see how they end it. Hopefully they don't end it horribly. But, and I have my hopes up a little bit, just kind of seeing where the show's gone so far that they've kind of played it out in an interesting way. So we'll see. But I also kind of felt like this halfway through Breaking Bad, and that disappointed me. So we'll see. Um, but beyond that, like, I don't really have a, re a reason to kind of watch or do anything with Netflix anymore. So I could, you know, totally see a lot of people just like jumping ship and just getting off and just being like, whatever. Um, whereas a thing that actually makes me want to uh, stay on another service, Disney Plus, is the new Obi-Wan show, uh, which I saw the trailer for. And that stuff looks ridiculous. I can't I can't, I can't, I can't express how one awesome it is. And this is maybe just because the prequel movies were the movie, the Star Wars movies that I got to see in the theater and that I experienced when I was a kid, but it is awesome to see you and McGregor be Obi-Wan again. He was amazing. He was the best parts of those prequels. He, in my opinion, kind of helped those movies, kept those movies moving, was a, uh, lightning rod of kind of focus in those movies, um, and some of the best parts of those movies, of the prequel movies, included his character. And so I'm super effing excited to see, now we get to see Obi-Wan while they're hunting the Jedi, trying to stay low-key. But it also seems like he's trying to like touch base and like keep track of what's going on in the galaxy. And that he's not maybe, well, we'll see what, where the show goes. The show could go a lot of interesting places. We could, this could be a... Uh, show about a person, you know, becoming like a hermit, having to stay out there in the desert by themselves, watching over Luke and whatnot for all those years. It, this could also be the secret story of him protecting Luke and keeping Luke under wraps and keeping a lot of what, you know, the Empire and Darth Vader at bay long enough to keep things kind of moving. Um, and keep the galaxy protected one. Who knows what they'll do with the show. It's very interesting what they've done with the Mandalorian. I didn't watch Boba Fett, but I heard it was not the best, or at least not as good as Mandalorian, but I didn't watch it. I still have to watch it. I need to catch up, I guess. I get to a point where I either feel like I need to catch up or I don't. And if I don't, I just kind of leave it by the wayside. Then it eventually probably becomes like a slept on <laughs> segment on the podcast. Uh, and yeah, so I'm excited for that. It looked really good. It looked really interesting. Um, I'm definitely really excited to see where they take Obi-Wan and just to see Ewan McGregor killing it. You know, I even loved seeing him in Doctor Sleep. I always love seeing him in things. He is 
ever since he, he's been young, he's been a great actor, but he just continues to kill it while also not, I feel like overacting like a lot of other actors get into it. And he's not gotten worse in his older age. He's picked odd movies, but he has not necessarily gotten worse in his acting. It has kept up, gotten better. He's gotten, you know, kind of more dynamic and it's great to see him playing Obi-Wan again. One actor that I don't agree with and do not like, and I'm like, what the fuck? uh are they doing um is the guy austin butler playing elvis presley like i'm like i really don't i really don't get it i really don't get it you know he wouldn't he wouldn't have been the first guy i would have picked oh yeah he was in once upon a time in hollywood that's what it was i was trying to think of other stuff that he had been in um yeah he was tex that's what it was but like, he doesn't even look like him. He doesn't even sound like him. Like they'd made the actor that they picked look like Elvis. Like they tried to make him look like Elvis. And there's parts in the movie, mainly due to the iconic costume, which is the whole reason, or the iconic costumes. And it's the whole reason why we have Elvis impersonators is because he's very particular and you don't really even have to like, you know, like i'm not saying that it's not hard to be an elvis impersonator but you know what i'm saying is like you it's you can very much push a lot of different kinds of people into that mold and a lot of people are like oh yeah that's definitely elvis and i'm like you couldn't have found somebody that looks a lot more like him like you found this angular skinny like blah 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 guy where it's just like and i know elvis was skinny but you know elvis had a big ass fucking head and a big face and a round face and like you know kind of he didn't this is like a pretty boy-ish like Hollywood actor guy playing Elvis. It's very weird. I didn't understand it. And then like seeing a trailer for it even more so just kind of made me like, uh, I don't know. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, it really, I just didn't get it. It surprised me. And then uh, we'll, we'll do this last one. There won't be a slept on this week either. Um, I was going to do one, but we'll save it for next week just because we're getting there. Um, but saw Batman today, a little bit of late to the party on that one. I one don't know how to feel about Robert Pattinson's Batman or Pattinson or however the fuck you say his last name. I don't know how to feel about his Batman. Uh, a part of me really kind of does like having a Bruce Wayne and a Batman. Who's this guy that like never leaves his house and is kind of like a recluse because he is so rich and like, oh, this is recluse Batman, not like Playboy Batman, um, which is an interesting. I like that. I, it's it's an interesting take on the character. But man, was that movie long. That movie was like could have cut an hour out of that movie. And I don't know if it's because there were a lot of like slow shots that kept cutting back and forth or, you know, where a lot of places where they could have tightened it up. I also don't know if I liked the fact that Batman was just kind of like allowed to walk through all these crime scenes. I know they were doing that because in a lot of times, especially with like the Riddler, there's no real way to make that make sense unless Batman always arrives at the crime scene right before the police get there so that he can like look at all the clues and then the police can come fuck it up. Like I understand that that doesn't really make sense, 
but it just was kind of weird that you had Batman kind of like walking around doing all this normal shit in this movie. <laughs> He's, he, you know, he wasn't really hiding himself as much, uh, even though that was kind of another one of the things that they tried to play up a whole bunch in this movie was that the fact that he was fear and that people should be afraid of him. And there's this whole thing about fear, but like, it didn't, in my opinion, it didn't really do it as well as Batman Begins did with the whole fear and the fear gas. And they did it with the Scarecrow. And that movie kind of made me feel like the Batman thing was more scary or whatever, or scared people more. Whereas like this movie was kind of like, I, I just kind of kept seeing Batman in these fight scenes throughout the movie uh, without any real like, and maybe this is because I'm so trained with action movies, but there wasn't any real score behind the movie. Like, like, and there was score and music throughout a lot of the movie, but it just didn't really felt like the fights had a lot of impact. And it also felt like, you know, Batman was kind of lumbering around half the time, you know, like there was, it didn't feel smooth. He didn't feel like he does this all the time. It, it maybe it seems a little bit more realistic in that way because he's just a random ass guy lumbering around, you know, but it, it kind of lost a little bit of its kineticness. Like the Christopher Nolan's movies were so kinetic and so, you know, in your face. Um, one thing I will say that I appreciated with this Batman movie is that this is the first one in a while, maybe even since the Tim Burton movies, but I would even exclude them just because his Gotham is so weird. But this is the first Gotham that has actually felt specifically like Gotham and not just like a typical, like, whatever like a typical city like whatever the hell you know like oh this is just happening in new york or oh this is just happening in san francisco or whatever which has kind of been a thing that has been a trope of modern superhero movies kind of since the uh, original x-men movies came out which is we're just going to kind of plop these down in real cities instead of doing this whole we're going to build this fake city facade on a real city that's one thing I say I, I I really kind of appreciated with this one more is it did feel kind of more like a Gotham and less like New York City or random city, which is very much what the Nolan Batmans feel like because this is just happening in a random city. Um, so I do appreciate that, but I still don't know how I feel about the movie, even like tonally. I did like the guy that played the Riddler, though. Ultimately, I thought his like grand plan was kind of stupid which is not what you want to think when he's supposed to be this like mastermind like villain. I thought that a lot of the stuff that like say like Heath Ledger's Joker did in the Nolan movies was way more kind of like on the level of a Riddler mastermind than like some of the shit that this guy, like his whole big plan is we're going to flood the city to get everybody to go to the uh like dome sports plex so that we can then have a mass shooting event like it just seems so kind of like you know oh so we're not gonna have a bomb there or we're not gonna have like a the building collapse or you're not gonna like i don't know something a little bit more ingenious like this just kind of feels like something that like bane would do or like another villain of batman's and not the riddler you know like and I don't know, maybe I was just expecting a different kind of Riddler, but that was a little bit of a disappointment. Um, and then initially I thought I was going to really like Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. And I liked her 
to a certain degree, but I also didn't know how I felt about her as Catwoman. And so I think ultimately this movie is just kind of, I didn't know how I felt about it. I do know that it shouldn't have been nearly as long as it was. They could have definitely cut at the very least 30 minutes out of that movie. But man, it just keeps feeling like some of these movies that are coming out. It's just like, why is this three hours long? I mean, let me look because who knows? I'll look this movie up and it'd be like, oh, no, Josh, it was an hour and a half. Oh, no. Okay. This movie was almost three hours long, two hours and 56 minutes. You know, Colin Farrell's greatest penguin. Cool. I don't know if I like Jeffrey Wright as Gordon. I don't really. I don't know because he was at first. I was like, ooh, interesting Gordon. I think he'll be great. And then as the movie kind of went on, I was like, are we really doing anything with Gordon? Like Gordon's just kind of like whatever, just detective. Like that's what I kind of felt like with this movie is it didn't really feel like beyond Batman being a recluse, which was an interesting twist on that character. All the rest of the characters were just kind of like anywhere from you basically hit the character on the head to bland version of that character. And that's kind of disappointing because, you know, like even like Colin Farrell as Penguin, you're like, oh, Okay, it was fine, but it wasn't like the best Penguin, even in all the grand scheme of all the Batmans. It wasn't really that interesting of a Penguin. Same thing with Falcone. Uh, and I think that was just kind of like my vibe throughout the whole movie is like, these weren't even really my, the most interesting versions of these characters. The story wasn't like, it was cool and it kept me going to a point. And then I just kind of started getting over it. And then there was just like weird scenes like, at the end, there's a scene, and I'm not going to ruin it really, except for just describe somewhat what happens. And there's a scene where Batman and Catwoman are driving on motorcycles. Uh, and this is after stuff happens with them. Again, won't ruin it. But I was like, why? Like, why do we have to... F why do we They could have just driven off on motorcycles, and then we could have just cut the scene there. But we literally get to see them like drive down all these streets together and go back and forth and in like this is the first time we're seeing in the movie that you see batman on his motorcycle and i just didn't really get it i was like and maybe i was just because at that point in the movie because that happens like towards the end at that point in the movie i was just over it but i was like we didn't really need that like the last like five ten minutes of the movie we didn't really need the ending like penultimate Riddler thing was kind of like a part of it was really interesting. And, but then the thing that he ended up doing, which I described already, which is kind of lame. I, and maybe I should preface half of the shit more with spoilers, but I don't really care. I guess don't listen to my podcast. If you care about spoilers, cause I don't really care about spoilers. Um, cause I don't think the things that I'm spoiling are actually like the things that were the best parts of the movie, nor do I think that they actually really matter beyond just kind of giving you the idea that it was a little bit of a disappointment as a Batman movie. Um, we'll, we'll see what they do with the sequels. Hopefully they're more interesting. I'm definitely more interesting to see more interested to see what they do with this Batman. Um, but like, again, I, I, that's the thing. It's like, I liked a lot of parts of this movie, but I don't know how I feel about it. And it was definitely too long. I wouldn't say that it was slow, but the kind of way it went up and down was kind of weird. Like it, it would get really action packed and then kind of cool off and then really action packed. And it didn't really feel like we're kind of going anywhere with the movie. Like it really didn't feel like the typical three act structure. It kind of felt a lot of, like a lot of zigzagged lines, 
energy wise throughout the movie. And I don't know if that, that kind of really, you know, but they played with the formula with a lot of characters. And I think it's also interesting that this is not an origin story, even though this is the first one in the series that we were just jumping right in with Batman, which is cool. And I appreciate that. And I would, I wish that they would do that more with these superheroes because fuck who care and who cares where all these superheroes come from we don't need to know anymore we could just have a throwaway or flashback or whatever that explains it we don't need to go there and especially with batman especially because we've literally done that origin story like 17 times in the last 20 you know years um and so yeah we'll see it did really well i think it's what his box office now is like half a million so it did really well there'll probably be another sequel but you know we'll just i wasn't I wasn't the most impressed with it. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it is, it is, it is what it is, but this, um, is the end of another episode of, uh, bottom fidelity podcast. I hope you liked the episode. I hope you have a good coming week. If you have any queries, questions or whatever, um, you can find me at no clean. That's N O the word clean the word music at gmail.com i do have a song coming out another song again i'm trying to keep with the monthly schedule i have another song coming out on the 30th i'm probably going to be posting a video preview thing either monday or tuesday on that um so be on the lookout for that and then i'll you know another song coming out in april and so on and so forth um this song gonna be cool kind of similar vibes to the last one low down bassy i'm excited for it it's been a good song it's been playing out well so we'll see how that all goes but yeah i'll play that probably either for you probably the week after next um give you a little bit of taste or actually maybe next weekend because next weekend will be since i'm getting onto the weekend schedule here um next weekend would be the weekend to play it so probably next weekend you'll hear it but Anyways, I hope you have a good one.